Hello everybody and welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast. I'm Colin Ellis and it's Monday the 29th of August 2022. I um, hope you're well wherever you are in the morning. It's a nice gentle start to the day. It's been a lovely weekend here, here in Melbourne. Um, I joked with my brother that the weather actually, was actually warmer here in Melbourne this weekend than when we were back in Liverpool recently and that was in the summer. I just end of winter um, here. Uh, but I hope you've had a, a good weekend. Today I'm going to be talking about how to manage different generations, uh, which is a topic that uh, it's come up over the last probably three or four weeks. I've been doing some work for a global client, interviewing different general managers, and it's it's kind of a consistent theme. Um, so I thought I'd do a bit of research and get it out there on the podcast. Um, this week's coffee is a Fazenda Camusim from Brazil, uh, roasted by Padre Coffee in Melbourne. We were down uh, in South Melbourne Market. Well, South Melbourne Market's one of my favourite Melbourne markets. Um, in, like, I, I think really great city. It should appear on the livability index is, does it have like three or four really great markets? And Melbourne definitely does. Uh, they're re- I think they're refurbishing or they're putting some money into uh, redoing Queen Victoria Market. I think they're going to be refurbishing that. But South Melbourne Market, I absolutely love South Melbourne Market. And we're down there yesterday and there's a real buzz to the place. And you can get pretty much anything you want, of course, uh, including coffee. There's a great little uh, Padre coffee place inside there. Um, so Fazenda Camusin, um, I did my research into this too. It's located a, kilo, a kilometre from the foot of the mystical monolithic mountain Pedra Azul, Blue Rock. Uh, in the town of Domingos Martins in Espirito Santo. Espirito Santo is the kind of area uh, in Brazil. Now, go and have a look. I mean, it, I mean, go and have a look. I'm not encouraging you to waste time at work. Am I, am I doing that? No, I'm not. Definitely not. Uh, and just Google Blue Rock Brazil. It's beautiful. It's like this It's kind of... I mean, it, like, essentially, it's a rock in the middle of nowhere, but it's beautiful. You know, like that... Um, have you seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Can? Every time I make mashed potatoes, I still do that with my fork. I still turn it into the mountain. In um, I don't know why it's been something I've been do, doing for years, and even as a fifty-two-year-old fellow, I'm still doing it. Um, yeah, so you know, you get these rocks, these kind of mountains, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So Blue Rock, it's a, it's I suppose it's a state park, and it's about seven hours north northeast from Rio. And then 90 minutes west from the coastal town of Vitoria. Um, so in 1962, Fazenda Camusin, it was bought by the entrepreneur Olivier Araujo, uh, who was a pioneer in the production of organic coffee in Espirito Santo. And they basically cleared the area and then um, planted for 30 years. So talk about a long-term project, right? So it was just like, we're going to go co- coffee here. When are we going to start doing it? Three years? No, 30. Okay, fine. Um, so it, they actually started cultivating in 1996. And they've been uh, producing organic coffees ever since then. They've, they've received kind of certif- certifications in soil quality and organic soil quality because they don't use any kind of chemicals at all in the production of the coffee. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's got notes of soft cherry, red apple, milk chocolate, and toffee. Let's just have a chance. Yeah, that's really nice. It's definitely getting, 
Definitely getting the apple and the toffee, which is good because I hate cherries. I don't hate, I don't hate anything, but I don't like, I don't like cherries. It's not like I'm walking into a shop going, I hate these things. Get them out of my sight. I'm just not a fan of cherries. I don't like the way they look either. <laughs> I've just got it in for cherries. Um, so yes, that's the coffee. Uh, Espirito Santo, interestingly, is also the birthplace of former Everton footballer Richarlison, but that's just for me and not for you. Um, so yes, let's talk about um, managing different generations. There's four generations in the workforce right now, uh, which is a relatively new thing for us as a human race hasn't really happened before uh, and the reason it hasn't happened is uh, because we uh, are living longer and staying in work longer um so you know we've got we, we've got the we've got baby boomers we've got um gen a, gen x we've got millennials and we've got gen z so so i think i've done this on a previous podcast but it's, it's worth making sure that you understand kind of when they were all born so baby boomers i mean baby boomers were from the end of the second world war but but traditionally we think of them as from 1955 to 1964 so they're between 58 and 67 years old we've got generation x who the best generation obviously 1965 to 1980 uh, that's when they were born so they're between 42 and 57 we've got millennials who were born between 1981 and 1996, so they're 26 to 41. And we've got Gen Z, who are 1997 to 2012, so they're between the ages of 10 and 25. So yes, yeah, so we have four different uh, generations in the workforce right now, and they're all different. They're all slightly different. Now, when we talk about the fact that they're all different, they're all slightly different, it's largely in their upbringing and the social culture within which they're raised. So this is, you know, it's, it's really important when, if, if you really want to understand workplace culture, you have to understand social culture as well. And the fact that kind of social cultures are different country to country. Now, if you've ever traveled, you know this, you're perhaps not nerdily looking for it like I am, but you definitely know this. You'll definitely see this. Uh, if you've worked in different cultures, you know, one of the hardest things you can do is work in another culture. Like if you really want to challenge yourself, you know, go work in a, go live in a different country, go work in a different culture. Um, that you, you'll hear things like, oh, culture shock. It's when you move from one cultural state to another. So the same is true of social culture as it is of working culture. If you're working in a vibrant culture and you suddenly move to a combatant culture, it's a culture shock because you're like, oh my goodness, and you know, I'm not used to, um, not used to this. So social culture plays a big role in generations, but also our upbringing too. So you know, for me as a, a, a as a teenager you know i think about how we're bringing our kids up differently you know and every parent it's just like i've got to correct the mistakes of our parents actually they're a pretty good child a pretty you know had a pretty enjoyable lower middle class childhood um you know not much money couldn't do very much anything that i wanted clothing wise i had to save up for myself or it was a birthday or a christmas present so well, you know didn't go without um but the way that we were disciplined and the way that we were motivated was quite it was quite different to now you know obviously smacking was still a thing i got hit with a wooden spoon um 
uh, we, you know, I was told I wouldn't amount to anything. You know, no one was telling me to live my dream, live my purpose, all of these kinds of things. And different, of course, different parents did it in different ways, but predominantly you, you kind of go with the social culture. Like, you know, the social, the, the kind of prevalent social culture, certainly here in Australia, um, is one of it's very casual, it's very laid back. And then you've got how your parents bring you up. Now, you know, kind of me and my wife were British. So, Obviously, our upbringing plays into the way that we bring our kids up as well, you know, and, and, you know, we want to encourage them. We want them to have discipline. We want them to have structure, all of these things. We never dream, never dream of hitting our kids. Like, it's just not a thing that we do in this generation, nor, nor should any of generation ever do. It's just not, not a thing that we do, right? Um, so all of these things really play in. So by the time you hit the workforce, every generation's slightly different. So I was talking about this last week, actually. So if you're kind of born or you're in work post-World War II, particularly particularly in, in Europe or America, um, although, it, you know, it's similar issues around the world, what you had was people being demobbed, so coming out of the army, essentially, and they were either used to giving orders or taking orders. So that's the way the world kind of worked. There were lots of people giving orders, right? So like the concept of a vibrant culture did exist, but these people were kind of real mavericks. They did something completely different um, and they didn't really kind of go for the command and control style of management. They weren't trying to inspire in them. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. I'm reading Eleven Rings by Phil Jackson, who's a coach of the a former coach of the Lakers and, and the Bulls. And he's talking about previous managers that he'd had, and they would do these almost these inspirational speeches at the start start of games to really get people fired up. Come on, go give it to them, kind of speeches. And he said by the time he became a manager, but you know, even though he's a even though he's a baby boomer, by the time he became a manager. He recognised the needs of the players had changed. What was happening it was they were going on the court, they were all kind of really fired up. But then by the third quarter, that, that inspiration had gone. So he chose a different style of management based on the generation that he was managing. So I thought it was oh, it's really, you know, which is kind of what I'm talking about today. So Baby Boom was used to kind of being told what to do. By the time you get to Generation X, we're different. We're slightly different. We've got MTV. Like, you know, they never had MTV. Uh, we've got shoulder pads. We've got poofy hair. We've got all of these things that you see on Stranger Things. I was watching Stranger Things season four. No one, not like the, in the 80s, we did not dress like that. I just want to make it, if any of the creators, if the Duffer brothers are listening to this, that's not how we dressed in the 80s. I just want to make that point. That is the music we listen to. Right, and how dare you steal Kate Bush from us? Uh, but it's definitely not how we dress. We didn't dress like these pastel lunatics. Um, anyway, but Generation X, we started to push back. We started to push back. Don't you tell us what to do? You know, we're we're not here to be ordered about. This isn't the war, Sonny. Um, and and so we started to push back, and and we wanted something different. By the time you get to millennials, you want something different again because, you know, these are our first digital natives, millennials. So all of a sudden technology is a big part of what they do. It's a big part of what they use. Uh, so the expectation is slightly different. They've got more uh, information at their fingertips. 
and and like the generation before they'll 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 reject or they've started to reject some of the things that we consider to be normal as millennials like you know kind of open plan offices and then you get to generation z who different again and, and their world views are really being shaped by kind of the millennial uh, the the gen x the millennial and gen x parents and our view of the world is different they want they're looking for socially conscious organizations you know kind of gen z are, are coming into the workforce remember up to the age of 25 and last two years they've had more flexibility which they like for for for, for us as Gen X, well, we didn't have that. And whilst we're okay with it, this, we we were brought up in an office and that's kind of what we're used to. And again, it's not that we don't want that. It's not, I'm not saying at all, no Generation X wants to, you know, kind of work from home. There's a balance, but it's different generations want slightly different things. So, you know, you've kind of got to consider all of that. And then you've got to recognize that everyone is different as well. So different people, different personalities, everyone's got slightly different communication needs and so if you're a manager it's a minefield it's a now don't get me wrong managing people was always the hardest thing you you know like as a manager it's a very specific skill set you know one of the things that I'm doing for one organization working with one organization to help them really reconstruct their culture right now which is which I'm loving it's a fascinating project but we're putting together a, a uh, a tailored what we're calling contemporary leadership program is what are the leadership skills you need in 2022 and beyond so you know not focusing on some of the stuff that you may have done in the past that's old and boring what are the contemporary skills you need you know you know things like um social activism uh, employee activism um looking at things like um empathy as a skill rather than as an accident um, and things like managing different generations and creating this awareness of di- different generations. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, whilst managing people is the, is the hardest thing to do, there is an easier way to do it. And the easier way to do it is to make sure you set expectations well. So even if, it, even if you have no generational awareness whatsoever, even if you have no personality awareness. If you're good at setting and holding people to expectations, you can muddle your way through. It's not ideal, it's not perfect, but you can muddle your way through, okay? Um, So setting expectations, so this is, the first step to this is articulate. So you talking to yourself about uh, what you need somebody else to do that week. So you have to do that first before you can communicate it to them. That's the next step. So I've articulated to myself, I've captured, I'm not going in with a bunch of half scattered thoughts. I'm going to communicate it to them. I'm going to let them know and I'm going to do that face to face because that's the most effective way to make sure that people understand. Then the next step is discuss. So we're going to discuss what those expectations are. And then I'm going to confirm it. And I'm going to confirm it usually in writing. I might drop an email. Thank you, Colin. Uh, just to confirm uh, what needs to happen by when, right? And so it's very kind of foundation of management is setting expectations really well. And it probably hasn't gone unnoticed that the acronym for that is ACDC, just so it's easy to remember. And, okay, so at its foundation, that's what you want to do. So, um, but, 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 but when we talk about managing different generations, what are the things to think about? What are the things to do differently? Well, 
so so much research out there which I've read. It, I, I read what one, one piece of um, information where I'm pretty sure the the research was called um, "Your Employees Don't Like You." And it was talking about uh, different generations that didn't like their manager. And, and so 33%, so it says younger, basically younger employees were more likely to report that they didn't like their manager. That's 33% of Gen Z in this particular survey didn't like their manager. 33% of millennials, 32% of Gen X, with only 30, 13% of baby boomers dissatisfied with their direct bosses. And you may be wondering, well, why only 13% of baby boomers? Because their generation was different, right? You suck it up, head down, bum up. That's what my dad told me when I started work. Head down, bum up, don't say anything. Take your orders from your boss, that's what you do. You do what they, you do what you're told, right? So generationally, it's slightly different, slightly different. All Also, they're more likely to be in management positions, so it's about dissatisfaction with themselves. Um, but But, you know, kind of that's, the nature of it from, 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 from Gen X onwards, we want to feel a connection to our boss. Millennials and Gen Z definitely do. They want you to be someone who is aware of what's happening in the world. They want you to be someone they can follow. They want you to be someone who's high in empathy, you know, and, and uh, over three quarters of Gen Z employees who were interviewed for one survey would choose an employer with a strong culture of empathy over a higher salary. You know, that's how important it is. That's not to say that they're not interested in money. Of course they are. They still want to be paid well. And that, this is one of the things that's changing, right? So socially right now, we are kind of in a recession, kind of. Some, although you wouldn't think of it seeing people buying $15 sandwiches in South Melbourne market yesterday. $15 for a sandwich. That's kind of the norm though. Now. Went into one place, it was $22 for avocado on toast. It's absolutely bonkers, but people are still paying it. I just hope they're not going in debt. Like if you're listening to this and going in debt, you, you're just creating a massive hole for yourself. Anyway, this is not a finance podcast. Um, so, so you know, kind of their wants, their needs are all slightly different, um, but never more so in communication. So when we're talking about managing different generations, principally we're talking about kind of uh, different ways of thinking and different ways of, of communicating. And so I think having that awareness of how each generation wants to be communicated to is, is crucially important if you're going to manage them. Now, now, baby boomers, you know, kind of they, they, they for them, it's about formal, direct communication. They, they're going to prefer the, the older methods, if that's the right way of saying it. So face to face phone. Right. They're the things for baby boomers. Pick up the phone. And, you know, if you're interactive with some baby boomers. And this is not to say baby boomers aren't kind of really embracing technology. They are. But they just like their information the way that they received it when they first started work. So for these guys, they like face to face and they like phone. They want context. Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. For when you get to, to, to Gen X, then you can introduce email into that as well. Now, kind of, I, you know, I joke all the time about the fact that, you know, we've got problems. It's not a joke, actually. I'm deadly serious. Um, we, we've got a real problem with devices and uh, kind of statistically Generation X is the worst because for us, it was a novelty. It wasn't the norm. It was a novelty. So Gen X is an email. Oh, man, they're a nightmare. They're a nightmare for email. They really, really are. 
so Gen X, so email, phone, and text message. I, you know, my, my preferred methods of communication are um, face-to-face, phone, text message. They're, they're my preferences. It's not to say I won't reply to emails. I will. But certainly in my, when I was in my permanent job, I used to say to my team, um, you know, don't don't email me if you want. You know, if you want to come and if you need anything, pick up the phone, come and see me. And I'd make time to make sure that they were able to do that. So, millennial. By the time we get to millennials, the communication is quicker now. So, email is 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 slightly quicker. So, what they what they prefer is things like text and chat and email, right? And and you know, kind of when we talk about chat, it's like you know, app tools. Um, so a digital first approach, essentially. Now, that can be very hard for some managers, right? Very hard for some managers when people text in to say they're ill and they can't come to work. They're like, why don't they pick up the phone? Why don't they just phone me? Why, why are they texting me? It's because generationally we communicate in different ways. Plain and simple. Um, and then lastly, Generation Z. Interestingly, interestingly, most prefer face-to-face. Most prefer human to human contact. Um, there's still this view that the latest generation are just completely and utterly wedded to um, their devices. Now, you know, if, if you've got kids and you're like, oh, my teens are constantly on their device, well, who gave the device to them, frankly? And remember, they're role modeling what they see from you. <laughs> so. Uh, have a look at your own habits first. And then, of course, there's a social culture and the way that we work socially. I was watching, I really highly recommend a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, all about social media. I mean, it's horrific, uh, but it will also give you a an insight into social media companies and how they crave your attention and the levels that their algorithms go through to keep you on the... Uh, applications. I should do a podcast about that, actually, because most people have got really bad habits around technology. So Gen Z prefer face-to-face, all right? And that's what the uh, the research actually says, even though when the same researchers ask manager, what do you think Gen Z's primary need for communication is? They said technology. And that's not true. It's not true. Now, remember, you might be Gen Z listening to this podcast and you might be thinking, actually, uh, I prefer text message. I prefer chat message. Okay, you might be thinking, remember, different personalities, different social cultures. So all of these things play in. And there's a really, really, really easy way to resolve all this. It's something that I do as part of my culture experience workshops is we get people to write down what are their preferred methods of communication. Get people to write down what, what are your three? What are your top three? You know, and I uh, uh, I did a, a culture workshop last week with a really great group in, in New South Wales. It helps that the venue was good. Like, the venue was good. The organisation was excellent. The people organised it, who organised it were great. And then people brought the right intention to the room, right? It was just one of those great two-day workshops. It was full of, full of energy, full of laughter. Like, the, the leaders were all there and they, they were all present. It was just it was a great two days. And so I was walking around having a look at everyone's communication preferences. And they're all slightly different. What a surprise. They're all slightly different. And I remember talking to one guy whose name I can't remember. Um, and I said, Would do you have you guys ever talk about communication in your team? He's like, we never talk about communication. He's like, we do it, but we don't talk about it. 
Um, and I said, cool. I was like, so, you know, what are you going to take away? He's like, well, we've now got a tool where we can go back and go, all right, this is how I like to be communicated to. This is how I like to be communicated to. Now, as a manager, it's such an easy thing to do because all of a sudden you get the insight into, well, how do I get the best from this individual? Now, remember the lay, like the different, one of the differences between managers and leaders, leaders very much tailor the style, communication style towards the individual. That's what leaders do. Managers just try and do a one size fits all. These are the people who just send an email to everybody telling them. Now, you can do that to confirm something, you know, that's part of expectation setting. Otherwise, what you really want to do is think about different generations and how they like to receive information. Um, and the last thing to do, uh, uh, last thing that, that I'll share on the, on this podcast about managing different generations. So that's the different communication styles. So baby, boom, baby boomers, kind of face-to-face phone, Gen X, face-to-face email, millennials, kind of text, messaging, then probably face-to-face, Gen Z, face-to-face, chat tools, video. Yeah. Um, The last thing I'll mention is if you want to get better in your organization, or if you as an individual want to get better at managing different generations, reverse mentoring is something that you can consider. Reverse mentoring is when you work one-to-one, with a member of a, a, of another generation and share information on what makes that generation tick. Uh, you know, as a manager, what you don't want to do is to become irrelevant. All right. And, and I, I remember in, in one session, I got one member of each generation. I prepped them prior to the workshop. But I got one member of each generation because there were four uh, to talk about their own generation and kind of what they're worried about and, you know, communication preferences. And it was fascinating. It was truly fat. So that's something else you can do. So, you know, kind of like the reverse mentoring or information sharing on different ways that different generations like to be managed. And what you then do is remove that opportunity for confusion, that opportunity for communication breakdown uh, within your team, within your organization. All right, that's your Culture and Coffee podcast for today. I hope you have a fabulous day wherever you are in the world. Try for now.